this is Joel, and you're listening to the Anagram Journey Podcast, and this is episode 85. Normally right here is when I would say, you're listening to the podcast with Anagram Godmother Suzanne Stabile. Surprisingly, though she's going to be present in the room, you're not going to hear Suzanne's voice on today's episode. Episode 85 and episode 86 uh, was originally a live stream that started off with Joey and Billy, and then Joey and Billy and Suzanne, then Joey, Suzanne, and my dad, Joe. And it was just such a tremendous day and such a great conversation that we decided to go ahead and convert it on into a uh, podcast for y'all. So we hope you enjoy it. Everyone is really honest and vulnerable, and it just came out really terrific. Joey and Billy, in today's episode, they're going to give us the difference between transparency and vulnerability in eights. Uh, we're going to learn what the definition of scene control is. They share some of their struggles uh, in parenting together as a nine and an eight, as well as sharing some of the ways that they complement each other. We're going to talk a little bit about television these days, and we're going to answer some of your questions as well, including some good advice for a two-mother and an eight-daughter. We've got some great episodes coming up, too, after episode 85 and 86. We've got a new Q&A episode with Suzanne. Two episodes featuring the legendary Anagram teacher, Russ Hudson, who is an Anagram 5, if you didn't know. And then Suzanne's friend, Nadia Boltzweber, is going to join us. But for now, let's go ahead and send it on over to Joey and Billy. And be sure to stick around at the end for a special song and message from our friends, Andy Gillhorn and Jill Phillips. Hello. Hey guys. Hello, everybody. Uh, and they are going to be with us from this moment until 4.45-ish, roughly. Uh, and Suzanne is going to be joining us at 4.15. And then they're going to spend some time together talking. We have got a beautiful song and video from Jill Phillips and Andy Gillorn. And we'll play that when uh, Suzanne gets here while we're adding a chair. That's kind of what I know. I'm going to send it to Joey and Billy. That's who everybody wants to hear. And they're going to check in with us. And I'll make sure that I can see y'all, saying that y'all can see us. And uh, we'll get this thing going. It's three hours of good times. Good times. One of you starts with, uh, hey, here's, here's how I'm doing. What's going on in my world? And then we're just going to let the ball roll. I think you should do it first. <laughs> okay. It's been a rough week for me. Rough in a first world sort of way in that we're still healthy and safe at our house. Our boys are good. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to make it through, but quarantine's kind of weighed on me in that we talked about it a few weeks ago. Anger's cropped up a lot more, and uh, I'm just kind of frustrated with the whole situation, and that makes me frustrated about other things. And when I'm frustrated, I go internal, and so I talk less, do less, and so that causes other issues, and then I get more frustrated because more issues are caused. And so it's been a first-world rough week for for me as a as a worker and as a husband and as a parent but um there's always good that comes from that um recognition is one of them and giving yourself some grace is another way and then also holding yourself accountable for fixing whatever it is and so um you know I'm hopefully back on the upswing and this definitely helps to just just talk just chat just work through some of that and maybe answer a question or two and maybe throw out more questions or things for everybody to chew on and work themselves through. Can we be a little more specific? Maybe. Well, just, I mean, I think, um, when people respond to us the most, um, unanimously, it's when we're like, okay, this is exactly what we dealt with this week, you know, like, like I know Joel, when you were at our house, when we had the one, the, the teen live stream from, from our home, we'd kind of had some very specific things happen that week. 
And we were able to speak specifically to them. And then people were like, oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> so not be quite so general and maybe where where you and what you and I are kind of dealing with. Sure. Um, I'm not prone to consistency as a parent. Um, I'm not really prone to consistency with anything, including parenting. And we tout, preach that... Every child needs consistency, but with your uh, Enneagram 7 children, we feel like they might need it more than the rest of them. And I've gotten pretty lax with our 7 child. So we had a serious discussion about that. Please, I'm not a saint in this. So I want you to be honest about how I was in it as well. I'm not trying to set it up for you to be like, this is where I was wrong. I mean, like I was... Billy, can I get a public apology? Please? Right. No, let's, let's, please, no. I mean, throw me all completely under the bus with it as well. Cause my, the way I deal with it is to explosion, share. right? Yeah. 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 So, so there was an explosion and then some cleanup after that. All with the recognition after the fact when the dust settled that we aren't being as consistent as we should be. And that causes issues in the home. It causes our kiddos to be confused about what's expected of them. And then we're frustrated when they don't meet expectations, but we don't always set consistent expectations and we don't necessarily do it in the same way. And we're trying to um, give them a little slack because we're still at home and because things, the kids are over this just like we are. And so we're trying to put ourselves in their shoes and how they're dealing with this, but also trying to do the best we can as parents. And so we are trying to tighten up consistency. And when he says we are, we put our trying to put ourselves in their shoes. Um, that is very kind and gracious. And I don't, and that's what Billy does all the time. That's, a good thing of what you bring to the table is you put yourself in their shoes. So to be even more specific from from um, my end of it, because I think this could speak to um, anyone who is married to a nine. Um, and I say this because I, in a new way, um, mom probably wishes she was here for me to say the, what I'm about to say. But I, in a new way, appreciate um, what mom goes through and has gone through with us because in my mind and in our house as children, my nine father could do no wrong. Still to this day, the reverend can do no wrong. I'm really okay that uh, they're not here <laughs> right now. I think we dipped our toe in that water on Monday. <laughs> when I, and dad left with mom staring at him. Yeah. Kind of deal. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a real thing. That's it's fascinating how God provides you with that. Um, where, you know, still I like, I, my dad, I feel like could do no wrong as the nine. And, um, what actually happened, when was this last, it was last week. You do it was last Thursday, right about this time of day. <laughs> <laughs> Seared into the mind. So we were kind of having lunch and, and, bringing Will out of withdrawing to come have lunch with the family and things are not going well for me um, work-wise up until today was a big breakthrough, but um, having a lot of struggles with what I carry um, in my job. And the quarantine makes us all, like it exacerbates all of this, right? So I've been very honest that it, it's particularly hard to have have done enough Enneagram work up until the quarantine to know that I can draw, that I can bring up feeling and I can be considerate and that it's not where I can live, but I can do it. And I, and I, it's like, I can't reach it. It's like, I, I knew, I know that door. I know it's there because I've walked through it and I can't authentically physically do it right now. And so that leaves a lot of, Frustration and anger. So um, just to be completely, let's just lay it all out on the table. We can talk about it later, maybe or maybe not. I've cried all day. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to, I didn't redo my makeup, didn't wash my face. Just like, we're just going to go in. This is, people need to see that um, 
that we don't do it often, but, but eights can really feel and really be vulnerable and really cry. And it does not happen often at all. And we can't choose. We can't choose when it happens. It always sneaks up on me always. So, um, I'm going to take a pause here to say, and, and to cite my source. Um, there is a wonderful young female eight who's in the, this recent cohort, um, who said, uh, two things, um, when I was teaching there last year and from this, I told, I said, please join this cohort, like apply for the cohort. We need an eight who's thinking like this. And she said these two things. Um, first eights are transparent all the time. And that is so true. I'm transparent always. And our transparency is so often mistaken for vulnerability when vulnerability is what we absolutely just can't access on demand and don't have naturally. Can you give an example of from the outside looking in what people would mistake transparency as vulnerability when you're being transparent transparent, and people are like, look at her being vulnerable. Right. Okay. Um, I, it's honesty. Like I'm always honest about what I think and what I feel. And I, and I, and I think people read that in eights when I'm doing it, um, not in a bitchy way, but it's still just honesty. Like, man, I, this, this sucks. Or I don't, I don't like how this goes down. I don't think other numbers operate like that. I don't think other numbers pro, you know, just share whatever they're thinking like that. I know, I know what you mean. I think, do you think that people feel like pressure, almost even a physical amount of pressure from eights? And then whenever that pressure comes off some and it's then people are like, Oh, the pressure's off. They're being vulnerable. When really it's like, no, just, I'm just not quite so amped up and loud right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to say it. I keep catching myself these days. I scream. Like I talk loud all the time. I, I talk. I live loudly. It's fascinating. I, and I guess it took quarantine to be in the same space all the time and to have my world of doing get smaller for me to notice it. But I... I'm loud and firm and blunt in the way that I just occupy space. And when that does come down and I'm still saying the same thing, because what Billy has said that, that thankfully gave me the language for that. Billy's given me um, really helpful language for two things. And that, and that is that eights want scene control. We don't want to control you. What we want is to control the scene. And I think we intuitively do that by being so big always with gesture and voice and everything, strength. Mm-hmm. And um, that usually when you can wade through it all, what the message was was absolutely true. But so much gets lost in the delivery for AIDS. And so, yes, I think when when we can take that down a notch, the message never changes. It it never changes for an eight because truth is like our cornerstone, right? It But when we can, can take a little bit off of it and have there be truth, then people are like, oh, it's because they hear it differently. They see it as vulnerability and not transparency. Right. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for giving me that piece. And then the other piece is eights process information insanely quickly. And we've all spoken to that. I mean, sevens being right there with, we just process information very quickly. Eights do not process emotions quickly. And oh my gosh, (laughs) like I just live that over and over and over again. You say that eights do not process emotions quickly. I feel like I don't process the emotion at all. Like in, in the unhealthy side, right. average, not unhealthy, average, average seven. I, yeah. But you're not saying you don't process it at all. So when does it get processed? Um, after I have blown up and 
and blown up is the term. Yeah, I think in just watching it happen, when uh, when you realize how it's affected other people, even though it wasn't personal and not meant to hurt anybody's feelings, you recognize that it did and you didn't want it to, then you come back around and are vulnerable in that space to be able to recognize all of the feelings that went into that interaction, even your own then and now. And you, another piece that you gave me is that eights have the highest expectation. Yes, that is correct. And that is of, of it, others, of others. Of it's others. not I think, just, I think in, that line is maybe important. Uh, and that's what it is. Cause it's not just at work or in the job, which is also true. Mm-hmm. You could throw others in there with it if you want, but it's of everything all the time. It's of the highest expectations of themselves. And that, that I would, I would, I would throw ones in there too. Like ones have high expectations. They're striving for, for perfection. I I think it's right there. Yeah. Same. I feel like the difference and can, that's why I threw in the, or wanted to throw in the, of others part, Mm -hmm. because I think there would be ones that are like, uh, well, and ones are relational. Like they, they recognize the importance of the connection to you because their reference point is on you mm-hmm. and they have high expectations. I have the highest expectations of you without wanting to be close to you. At like that's a, and that's where the problem comes. All right. Well, that where, sounds so no, 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 you're good. The reason why I'm getting hung up is like, oh man, do I interject this question that I have here? But let's finish. Kind of where, y- where y'all were going with, because sure. I'm, I don't want to just keep cutting you off. Yeah. Okay. Well, bottom line, and man, if you're married to a nine, I'm certain you have experienced this. <laughs> so we get Will engaged, and and we're 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 talking about a family dynamic, and I'm have high expectations of the boys, and so does Billy, and I am calmly sharing my expectation with Will and Will's not loving it. And, and you know, part of that is uh, that, man, there is a piece to this ad, this teen, the attitude that comes with teenagers. Like I keep going. I love, I'm so prepared for today's. I'm so glad you are (laughs) that, that it's just like anything you say. And I, and I swear I'm not so far away from it that I don't, that I completely forget being that way myself. Like I do remember, I remember being a teenager and thinking mom and dad knew nothing. Like, like you just, y'all are, you're so old. You just don't get it. You know, anything, you don't get what I'm going through. You don't get it. And one of the best things dad did for me, not that it hit me then, but it's something I've carried with me since then. The day I left for Hendrix. He sat me down. We were in Bowie. He sat me down at the kitchen table. I remember it like it was yesterday and said, not even patronizingly, like very, <laughs> like I have so much wisdom and you don't. And so I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to prepare you for this. And he said, I really want you to enjoy this time right now because you're smarter now than you will ever be. Oh my gosh. Like, and what he was really trying, like you only get it for that long, but yeah, you, you think, yeah, I got it all figured out. And the audacity of an 18-year-old to think that, but I'm around 18-year-olds all the time <laughs> working in a high school and they really think we got it. We got it figured out. And you guys are idiots. I was not given the same speech. <laughs> <laughs> said in different words. I said, yes. said Joel, you're an yes. idiot. <laughs> Please so, don't go to college and embarrass us. <laughs> so Will's responding in a in a way that's like, oh, it's just always put out, right? So he's loading the dishwasher, and I call him back to the table. And I'm like, "No, let's. What's you're clearly upset. Like, let's let's unpackage this. What is it that you that is upsetting you so much?" Can I ask you a question? Sure. Did you say it like that? I really did. I know. I if I I would be like, I wouldn't receive that well. Well, I'm. He, you know, I. So <laughs> I really did. My point is, all I know is, I wasn't raging. I wasn't. No, no, no. Yeah. Get your butt back here. And how, you know, I really was like, let's, okay. And sure. Yes, I agree. I mean, this is like, oh, well, you just want you to fill me in on it. You know, that's how. How awful is life for you, Will? Right. Kind of. Yeah. 
but calm. My point is I'm, I'm not, I'm not screaming. Yeah. I'm not being, you know, and he shares something. And then Billy, Billy comes behind and says exactly what I had just said. Exactly. And Will Shuey goes, yes, sir. Thanks, dad. And I lost it, <laughs> lost it. Like the kitchen's never been so clean because H, you know, this, when you're mad, like we clean things when we're mad because it, we, we look up and it's done. Like it's, it was a big deal. So now you pick back up now that I've said exactly all the ways kind of the fallout from that. Sure. Okay. So the reason I, um, reiterated what Joey had said to Will and Sam. I mean, we were talking to both boys about similar things all around the table was because there are times where if Joey is correcting the boys on something and then I'm silent, it's unclear as to whether or not I support what she just said. Right. So originally, like we would have these conversations previously, like, Joey calls the boys out and in my head, I'm thinking that pretty much nailed it. I agree. There isn't anything else to be said right now, but the silence is confusing. Is it, I don't agree. Um, you shouldn't have said that. Is it, I really side with the boys, but I'm not going to say anything. Is it, no, I absolutely agree. The silence doesn't, doesn't paint any kind of picture. It's just confusing. The yeah. reverend always aired on the other side of that. Saying he was things. like, I'm going to repeat everything that Suzanne said. Well, that's said why I said the other day, because I wanted to make it clear that I was not you know, like mom and I are on the same team. And this is how I say it. That's how mom says it. We're saying the same thing. We have the same expectations. Can we pause long enough to analyze that? Because that's an Enneagram thing, too. Because mom is dependent. Dad knew that what was coming, if you don't like, like, I don't ever go back behind to you and say, I need you to support me because I'm not a, like, there's never that it's for me, the way I interpret it is. And I, and I think intuitively no is you, you have a hard line when things amp up, you have a real hard line for that. And because you're a nine, Sometimes you don't want to risk more conflict with me to say you're too much. Well, I also don't want to um, correct you or disagree with you in front of the boys in the moment. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want that. And I don't think that, um, I don't think that's fair as a parenting team. We've got them turning on each other, Sam. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just don't ever want that to happen. So what ended up happening is after I essentially reiterated what Joey said, did it in my way, the boys were respectful of me. They weren't respectful of her. Joey got upset. With all three of them. Exploded on all of us, left the kitchen. And so what happens from then on for me, uh, retreat inward, like deep, deep, deep. And because I don't know how else to process through it. Like in the moment, I'm, you know, you're kind of stunned and I have to, you know, humiliated. Um, so I have to really kind of analyze what was said, get past hurt feelings, um, recognize the content of the message, unpack that, see what um, my role in all of that was in order to come back around and be better in the future. And sometimes that whole process takes minutes and sometimes it takes days. So I've just been really quiet. Like I just retreat. Silence from a nine isn't isn't a good thing because people are confused. They don't know what you're thinking. They don't know what you're feeling and they don't know if it's about them or if it's about other people or if it's what it is. I don't know a different way to be like that's Joey and I ultimately had a discussion about it yesterday, day before yesterday where I don't, I don't have any explanation for the process and I don't know how to stop the process. I don't know how to speed it up. I don't know how to, talk when I'm defaulting to silence. I don't know what to say if I am talking. So there's just a lot, a lot going on there. So that's why I've been, you know, in a hole for a week or so. 
And I, and I think what I want other people to hear who are in relationship with nines is don't make the mistake of, of thinking that they've, that they're just, that they've just dismissed you and they're not processing it because he's processing it all, all of it. The thing that I've heard over and over with you and Jenny is so much. Y'all are always working through stuff, but your, your timeline is so different from mine. And it's exacerbated like pretty much everything else during the quarantine because, you know, if that had happened when, you know, we were going to work and boys are going to school and we're doing normal stuff, there are places in my life where I'm by myself to be able to work through all of that. In the quarantine, I'm not by myself. Like I'm, I can be in a room by myself, but the rest of the family's there. What's wrong with dad? Where is he? Right. Is he mad at us? Whatever. Whereas if I'm at work in my office, you know, I can, get work done while I'm processing through it also while everybody else is doing their own thing. So they go away and forget about it too, or they handle it how they handle it given their specific Enneagram number. But in, you know, when, when we're all around each other and you know, dad's not saying anything, then it, you know, it's weird. And that's a unique position for me because the way I'm built, I tell you exactly how I'm feeling exactly the way I'm feeling it with insane intensity. The minute it happens, and to not have that met, I, like I told him, I said, I, the way I tried to kind of start it and be vulnerable with him in a real way was, you know, like, I don't like, do you not like me? You know yeah, what I'm like? I think, yeah. do you think? God. And there's something that happens. There's, there's two things that happen in the moment for me. One, I tried at some point to just say anything. In the moment, anything. It's a good movie too. Yeah, just just words, just for the sake of trying to meet Joey toe to toe, and even like say something mean, say something loud, say something in order to like engage in this dialogue. And what ends up happening is that the like, same inner dialogue that you're having, Joey. I don't have an inner dialogue. There's no inner dialogue for her. You're, you're saying it out loud. And oh no. <laughs> yes. Well, it just seems that I, I, I heard you say no that. Say dialogue. something. Yeah. Say whatever. Be right. a jerk, be nice, be... Just give me something. Tell me something. Yeah. What ends up happening, though, is the most awkward, inauthentic nonsense that just comes out of my mouth. So I can't, I cannot do it in the moment. I just can't do it. So all I can say is, like, and I've even said this before, like, I'm sorry it's been 35 seconds since anyone said anything. I don't, I'm trying to work through it. I'm going as fast as I can. And it's 18 levels behind yours. And it's not fair to what's, what's hard, even hard and exacerbated even more is I'm processing the information so fast. I'm not checking my emotions at all. And the minute it's like, I'm ready to pounce. Like the minute you say, whatever you say, yeah. I'm going to just, just re-engage with yeah. that. To shred. It's, it's yeah. o- open your mouth. Right. Please open yes. your mouth. Yeah. And then the second thing that I've noticed that happens with me, it's, it's fascinating. And I don't know why this happens or where it comes from, but in that moment, have you ever seen uh, me, myself and Irene mm-hmm. when Charlie, I guess the main character, yeah. Jim Carrey's character, when he turns into the alter ego guy, there's like this really loud music that starts pounding in his head that's what happens for me and it's usually like the most recent song that i've heard it's like someone just come, there's like a volume switch and they just turn it up what that's symbolizing for me is when that in when that exchange happens it's a defense mechanism to tune out it's like wow you just you just got ripped up Let's see how quickly we can retreat into the inner sanctum and just like block out what just happened. So turn up the volume, numb out in some way and see how quickly you can forget about what just happened. That's well said. Man, thank y'all so much for doing that. Let me, I know y'all don't need like pats on your back from little brother. Anyways, uh, one of the, two of the themes that I kind of heard that seem that they come up a lot in not talking about nines Billy used the phrase, uh, retreating inward. I don't hear that said about any other number or any other number say that. That seems like a very nine thing. People have asked, what is the, like that nine's inner sanctuary? And it's, we've talked about it a lot on podcasts and different places. Uh, but that was just one thing. And the other thing was, there's two things. Something awesome. 
I don't know. Was it a nine thing or an eight it, thing? I think it was a nine thing. Oh, it was the assumptions that we make. When nines know, don't talk. Thinking that we know what nines are. Like Suzanne talks about that, about it's that all the true. time. Yep. And, and even when nines kind of do talk a little bit, it's like if you're talking and they're not in the long, that doesn't mean they're agreeing with you. Right. And we assume, we just make assumptions about nines maybe more than other numbers. I don't know. Yeah. When I think nines in an indirect, unconscious way, um, use that as a defense mechanism in order to protect what they perceive to be this harmonious environment. Meaning, if you don't know what I'm thinking, then I kind of have not an upper hand, but I'm balancing things out. Like if, if I'm, I, there's plausible deniability with there's, all things. There's power in holding your cards. Yes. And nines aren't going to use it. They're not going to exert any sort of power in like an outward way. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to do that. So the only way we know to do it is through that. It's is a that way to sometimes temper- perceived as passive aggressive when it's not? Of course. And that goes along with the passive aggressive ten- um, look of the nine? Yes. And it's a way to temper expectations. If you don't know what I'm thinking or if you don't know what I'm doing, if you don't really know what's going on inside, then I can't disappoint you. And the passive aggressive, we want to make that way more active than it is. Yeah. Like it's and a planned. And it's not the caricature of yes, passive aggressive. Yes. And it's not. And what rings true for me being married to it for 17 years is the, where the, all the, where I see Billy's anger come out is a stubborn refusal to be affected by life. Like, I think that speaks more to it than passive aggressive ever could. Is that, compounded by the fact that mom teaches that three sevens and eights, but we'll just talk about eights in this relationship <laughs> or sevens. You're here too. <laughs> think that they can affect life without being affected by it. So, sure. he, so you're trying to affect him and he's trying to be unaffected and I'm trying to be unaffected by everything all the time. Yes. And I, you know, the presence doesn't matter thing might really sucks to say it out loud, but it is a thing like, I wake up in the morning and go, you know, I'm going to go do some stuff, but it doesn't really matter much. Not in like a, woe is me, but in like a, that's just kind of how it is. Like this, it's a big old world and I'm one tiny speck and I'm going to go, you know, take care of my family and I'm going to go contribute to society and do something that makes me happy. But I'm not really going to move mountains, right? So that's. And I wake up every day. Looking saying, to move mountains. I'm going to move a mountain. And you today. start from the second you, you take your first breath. And I'm, you know, it takes me forever to get going. Even to work up to, you know, let's do something today level. So when it comes time to have to stand up and answer for yourself as a nine, you're like, eh, why? <laughs> why does this matter? Why does what I have to say matter? Why did, how come what I did matter so much when I don't really feel like anything that anybody says or does matters all that much. Now that's in a, that's in a low average to unhealthy state for sure. But that's always kind of, um, floating on the below the surface, I guess. That was awesome. No, I, we couldn't have, first of all, we couldn't have scripted Mm-mm. any of today's conversation and, I'm so glad that thank you all again for sharing and for being vulnerable and honest and great. And people are going to love it. Uh, you talked about attitude from Will Shuey. So uh, Will is 14. Mm-hmm. He is an Enneagram 4, self-called. Self-identified. Self-identified. I had a question. Whitney and I were talking the other day. The television that our kids watch, the parents are all idiots. You know, like yes, right. all, on every show, the kids are in charge. Yeah. Either a parent is just gone and the one is busy or usually the dad is just a dunce. Mm-hmm. And we talked about our kids' attitude who are much younger. The oldest is nine and she, or 10, I'm sorry. And she gives the least amount of attitude. I didn't, I knew not to talk to my parents that way. And even more so. 
not to look at them certain ways. Like the other day, Jolie cut Whitney and she does this too often. And usually it's to Whitney. Uh, just a look after Whitney kind of said something to her. Uh, and Whitney doesn't like it. And, but we we're talking about this with television, how yeah. that's how they're portraying it. Mm-hmm. And then I got to thinking about it, how they're targeting, you know, kids are deciding when we were kids, it was the parents that gave the, message of, Hey, here's learn from me. I'm right. teaching you something. You know, I think of family matters and full TGIF. Oh you know, yeah. All of all those have. parents were solid parents. What do y'all think about that? That is, that's gone by the wayside. I don't Completely. know. Have y'all. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm no sociologist. I just think TV's become more accessible, more kids watch it than have ever watched it. And your target demographic for those shows is kids. So if the kids are the hero in the show and that's who you're targeting, then that kind of, then that, you know, means a little bit more. Like I can't imagine, you know, Sam sitting down to watch Leave It to Beaver and think that's funny. Well, and that's even earlier than us though. I mean, if you look at. Yeah, that, that, that was wholesome television. I well, think they would call for, that. For us, like, like Disney for when our kids were watching Disney, the show we all loved was. Good luck, Charlie. And even that was kind of going down that road. Mom's over the top and the dad was an idiot and the, the kids were super smart and they ran things. Yeah. But I think more than sitcom, um, I think the, all of that is exacerbated even more by the fact that what kids actually have access to that they watch more than my kids at least watch more than anything is YouTube. And parents aren't getting on YouTube. But kids are, and kids run the channel, and kids, like, because a parent's not going to think, well, I'm, let's get on YouTube and post a video on how to be a parent, like, what they have access to. Parents aren't even in the picture. Like, Sam's watching, he, he came out the other day and wanted to do a f- food challenge. Pick a color, and you eat every food of that color. Like, that's that's what my kid's getting from screens right now it's are you scary youtube when the girls were smaller and they were first getting into technology and things that they could you know take in without us i guess it was youtube they haven't looked at youtube in forever and tiktok runs that runs the phone boy we haven't allowed the boys to have tiktok which is why yeah and i think if they pushed we probably would have I remember at one point saying, like, I am not for me just because I'm, I see it in the high school and, and it's, it'll probably be gone by the time it's a real issue anyway, but I'm not letting the boys have Snapchat like that. I, that's yeah, the man. line I'm holding. And I remember kind of saying to Billy, maybe we could look at TikTok, but Snapchat's a no, but they haven't really pushed. So I, one of the quarantine, you know, little, like little stupid challenges. Something about wearing pillows. Have y'all seen this? Mm-mm. You just wear pillows, like you. So there's a girl with a pillow and a belt around the pillow, and I like I looked at Jolie and I said, "Hey, you, you never take a picture like this or, or put it like." Yeah, yeah, that's what you have to say. All she's the time. eight, and yeah. I'm telling her not to take a picture of herself. It is idiot. Our it's idiocracy. Well, the other thing, I mean, there's there's two sides to everything too. I mean that. The, the amount of technology that our kids have access to yeah. is wildly helpful in myriad ways. But with that comes all of the negative things that we have to be on the lookout for and not, not expose them to it or, or, or disallow it to happen, but to get them to understand what's real, what's realistic, what, how can you be harmed by this? What's your role in this? So it just adds a new layer of parenting that we have never had before. So, so as a follow up or a, a real story, we can fast forward from last what we dealt with last Thursday at this time to what we dealt with last night and what we were trying to. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine that plenty of parents are dealing with this, but you know, Joey and I are blessed in that we're mostly working from home. So we're home all day. And of course, the kids are too. And, um, they're getting their schoolwork done and they're being responsible and they're doing a little bit of physical activity and then there's eight more hours of day left and what they want to do is play video games 
or beyond screens. I mean, it's it's, it's TV. Mostly, it's mostly video games. Yeah. If we gave them the choice, and so we're trying to govern how many hours can they do certain things. And we were talking to some friends of ours last week, and I got the impression that we were holding a pretty good line in the amount of hours our boys spend each day playing video games, which, you know, it's not that much in the grand scheme of things. In addition to bedtime, that's another issue. You know, what time should they go to bed, depending upon what age they are? And does it matter that much because they don't have to wake up at a certain time? And is that setting good habits? Is it setting bad habits? Is it being okay? I don't know. So we're trying to come up with a schedule that's appropriate. And there's conflict at every turn. And we that. want buy-in from the boys because what we don't have, either one of us, have the will to do is watch it all. You know what I mean? Keep it accountable for every step. So it was a matter of we we expect that schoolwork will be done. We expect that before screens, that um, a certain amount of time for physical activity, a certain amount of time, we have to re-bring back, and it's like pulling teeth, reading, reading a book. Reading anything. Reading anything. That's what we were saying. A magazine. Mm-hmm. If you want to read Sports Illustrated, great. But you got to, mm-hmm. like, just the reading and what... In a time when you're already exhausted all the time, how do you how do you manage when you that when you don't have them at school for those eight hours? Yeah, and the frames of reference don't apply anymore. We've talked about this. You know, I always in my head go to well, when I was a kid, what did what was it like? Well, you can't do that anymore because the options are so much more plentiful now. And kids are kids and they're going to choose what they like. And a lot of kids like to do the stuff that their parents don't want them to do. And so then you're, how how do you hold the line? You know, how do you pick your battles? How do you get them to buy in? How do you exactly do you hold them accountable all the time? It's, it's a lot. I think it's hard also, you know, how how deep are we into this now? Like two months, it feels like. Seven weeks. This is the seventh week. If you don't count spring break. For okay. us. Right. There so we eight go. weeks. <clears throat> Take it easy on yourself. Parents had to adjust jobs mm-hmm. and make sure that their kids weren't. I, I don't know. I just feel like it's easy to get down on yourself for not doing this right the whole time, especially as we start reflecting on the past seven Absolutely. Eight weeks. Yep. Just a piece to bring in here, to bring in another number. Um, but I, I wonder how it connects to you. So um, I... Um, through Zoom, was able to to, to teach a, a local church staff stress movement this week. And there's a four on the church staff who, her they have three small children. Her husband's an essential worker, considered an essential worker, so he leaves the home. And she, um, I could see, kn- knowing what I know about Enneagram, that she was well into the two stress space. What does that, like we've talked about how it must be really hard for dependent numbers whose reference point is outside of them. We've talked about how you and I have said, oh my gosh, this is such a hard time for us because all of our energy is into the future and the future's closed. And so, you know, I had a seven in the group, just the two sevens in the group were defeated. It's what I'm just, what I see like in this, you know, the sevens I know. And he, and that's what is, what is like. I was like, it was like, I just give up almost, right? I yeah, can't it's anticipate. A, it's like I said recently, I was like, just the, the colors aren't as bright as they used to be yeah. now. And just we'll yeah. go through the motions until we can yeah, do something else. And for me, it's I can't affect the future like I'm used to. And so I have all this extra energy that just is being translated to being angrier. Truly. And, and that's difficult. And, and in a new way, I finally saw, like we all kind of think, oh, well, withdrawing numbers kind of, you know, you get to withdraw, right? But, but if you're this woman, the very thing she needs, she can't have at any time. She has no time for herself. And you were just talking about it. Like how for withdrawing numbers, if there is someone in your house right now, you don't get to withdraw in all the ways that you are used to it feeding you and rejuvenating you. Right. Uh, Mom's talked about 
kind of substitute options. Talks, mm-hmm. She talks about how Jenny, for instance, goes and gets, uh, does the d- daily coffee run. Yeah. Just by herself. Mm-hmm. No kids, no Corey, not the phone, yeah. and does that. And there's other things, but it doesn't replace how we took care of ourselves before. Before, yeah. Yeah, I've been going for an hour and a half walk. It's five-mile loop, that it's a loop. I think we, have we referenced it? Like it's, it, you can't make shorten it because the way right. he's designed it is you have to. One time uh, I was playing golf in Arkansas and our golf cart died when we were like on hole seven and a train track went through the course. And so you couldn't come, you couldn't cut across, you know, the fourth fairway and then back to the clubhouse. We had to push this thing all the way back. It was yeah. awful. Yeah. Uh, speaking of nines and parents and moms and things and stuff, I'm a single mom. I'm a nine who's had two kiddos more in the aggressive stance, uh, leaning towards three and a seven. Uh, I have trouble keeping up with their na- natural level of energy. For lack of a better question, what do I do? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I can absolutely resonate with that. Wow. Um, <laughs> Well, what, maybe talk about how, like, again, I think a, a specific example of where you see it and how you feel it and might even lead you up to, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am my best self as a parent, as a nine, and this, this sounds silly, but it, it works, and that is doing literal things to help you gain the most energy you possibly can. I mean, honestly, eating the best you can, exercising, and getting plenty of sleep. Right. I'm not a doctor, but when I'm doing those things and I'm being intentional about it, I feel like I can keep up with my seven son better. I can't, I don't have the same level, but I can keep up. And there are other ways where I feel like, um, I meet him halfway. He's, you know, he's struggling, right? My seven is struggling right now in the quarantine because he, all of the, all of his outlet for all of his energy and all of his ideas and anticipation, most of them are gone right now. He's not playing any sports. He's not at school with his friends. He's just dying for some kind of connection. And so um, he likes to fish. Um, I'm not very good at fishing. I never have been. But I felt like that was a way that we could kind of do something. It gets us out of the house. We can social distance. It's fine. We can research different spots in the area, and then we can go and do it. Um, but even that takes all of my energy. Like I went online and bought a fishing license and we went a few weeks ago and got new gear. And then I did some research on, you know, where we could go and could we catch things and what do we catch and what's in the, what's there so we can get the right bait, all that kind of stuff. But I hear you like for him, it was, let's just go fishing and he's ready to go. And for me, there was a lot of planning that had to go into it. So already that was more than I was naturally inclined to give. And it kind of exhausted me. So my, I guess my point there is, picking some spots where you can meet your kiddos halfway on the energy level front. And that means they're going to have to tone it back a little bit. I would add just for that specific example where, where your nineness um, limited what it could have been for your seven child. So he puts the effort into do, you know, doing all the things to set it up with Sam and go fishing and they go. And for Sam, what, what all of Sam's energy is in the anticipation of catching a fish. Okay. They get there, they get to where they were going this last time. And Sam wanted to be on the dock where it was hot and sunny. And Billy as a nine knew that wasn't going to be the best place to catch fish. But he deferred to Sam what Sam wanted to do when really had he stepped out. Like that's what seems so simple to me as an eight parent that doesn't occur to him as a nine parent and made it worse for him was he's got to say that and and get Sam to be a part of that. And you didn't. Yeah, because to me, I, you know, in the moment is he wants to go fishing and he wants to fish right here. There we go. Let's talk about this for a second then. Jolie got a, uh, what she went and she was so excited. She's been holding on to money for forever. And she told me, I, we saw y'all. Yeah, and she told yeah. me, she's like, 
I've got, there's this thing. I'd really like to go buy it. Can we go to the store? I think she really just wanted to get out and sure. stuff. I said, absolutely. You got it. What store? And she said, uh, either Walmart or Target. It's like, okay, you got it. So we go, she gets it. It's this, uh, cute little animal that's wrapped up in a tortilla. Cool. And it has the card that has the different types of all the different things you could get. It's a surprise. You don't know what's in the tortilla when you buy it. And she opens it up and she's just so jacked. And she does this with a lot of things. You know, she looks at me and she says, this is one of the most rare ones. Check it out, dad. Blah, blah. So I look at the card and it's, Sam says that. and it's the opposite of that. It's, this is the most common one. <laughs> it's on the other end of the spectrum from this one that says very rare. So you, you know, Sam wants to catch a fish. He wants to go in the sun. The decision to make of, do I tell him that's not where the fish are or all right, let's go try to catch a fish in the sun. We've, you've said what you would do in that situation. Do you tell Jolie, Hey, that's not a rare one that you found here. Let me show you the card. And maybe, you know, there's a way to spin it. It's not crap on their dream, but, um, in that particular situation, seem similar. Am I maybe? Yeah, they could be in that particular situation. I don't, I don't probably. Yeah. And that's again, goes to like, no, we're going to look at this honestly. Always looking at it. And my point with him saying, to, but my point with him with Sam is he, with equal, not wanting to be affected by the world, with equal stubbornness, assuredness, he doesn't affect the world. Sam, there, I think had he gone through what might have been conflictual with Sam to get to the shade, would have been a better experience for Sam. But that's me thinking all the way through that without worrying about the relationship because that's not where I think. For me, it's more of just a facilitator of the experience. He he had an idea of something that he wanted to do, and I set it up. And then to me, um, us being on the dock, standing next to each other with fish, with, with re- reels in the water is an experience. And there was no guarantee if we, if I made him move that he would catch a fish. So then it was kind of taking away from his experience. Now we're over here and dad forced me to be over here. I don't want to be over here. And then we didn't catch anything Then I I didn't want to do that because I didn't feel like I was going to affect it anyway. Like I, I I just set this up now, Sam, you have the fun. Like that's how I view it. So, and I, I want to address one more thing too, back to the original question about energy level. Susanna said before that, um, a cure for exhaustion is not necessarily rest. It's doing things wholeheartedly. So when nines who have the least amount of energy are in relationship with people who have a lot of energy, it's finding spots where you can muster up to do things, whatever it is that the other person wants to do, or that you can mutually benefit from 100%. And it their takes level. a lot. It takes like, everything you have. It's a consistent thing. But those are some of the best experiences if you can get there. And what's your, I think all nights can benefit from what you've learned yourself are your red flags of where you slip, where you start. Saying yes when you want to say no. So then stubbornly and passive aggressively engaging in the activity, giving it half hearted effort um, while being angry and frustrated that you feel like you've been kind of dragged into an interaction or an experience. It being confusing to the other party because they're like, well, you said, <clears throat> you said yes. And now you're acting like you don't want to do it. And it, that's more exhausting than, than anything. And you're Billy's very aware. I think nines, when I've, ta- I've, I've taught it after learning it by, by being in relationship with Billy for so long. And when I teach it, nines really recognize the ways that you slip into, um, using inconsequential things, TV, alcohol, eating, whatever it is to numb out. And that's something that going back to the eating healthy and all of that it, on the, on the other side, it's also watching for the, ways you choose things to numb out. Mm -hmm. It seems like another area of 
intentionality. Absolutely. I mean, we talked about that in a lot of different ways, but that's just another space to, to be more intentional. And, and only you can speak to it and only nines know it. But one thing I know from living with you and, and, and being in relationship with you is when I, and, and I can hold it when I'm not in a bad space, when I, you know, like, Oh, is it so hard? Is, is it so hard? But the truth is it takes a lot for Billy to show up with intentionality and energy every single day. That's a real thing. And so I don't know when I've said this story and I don't know if I have on a live stream. So I apologize if it's a repeat Thanksgiving this year. Um, it came later than it normally does. And I have am more tired than I usually am because of, of work and what I've taken on at work. And we usually put up Christmas decorations the Saturday after Thanksgiving. This year, I'm very future-oriented. I'm anticipating that I'm going to be too tired to put up, um, to put my energy into putting up Christmas decorations after Thanksgiving. So that Tuesday, Billy was going to work, and I said, hey, will you go ahead and get the stuff down? I want to do it now. So I do, and on Friday, I say to him, so glad I put it, you know, that you got that down and, and you, and we did this before now because I'm resting so much now that I, and I, and I'm kind of was kind of joking. I was like, I feel like, oh, like the remote, could I just, you know, <laughs> which is not, it's such a rare place for an eight, but I was fully in it. And Billy looked right at me and said, that's how I feel every day. He said, now you know how I feel every day. And that was such an important way because I had finally experienced it to say, oh, my, oh, my gosh, <laughs> that's a thing. Well, I think it, that also touches back on the importance of nines getting that space to them. The withdrawing stance, I think, is what we were talking about. But that time to yourself, that's not just it. in the room yeah. by yourself, but out of the room by yourself or wherever by yourself is and is comfortable. Yeah. Uh, we got time for uh, another question. I don't know if everyone heard all the ruckus that the Reverend and Suzanne yeah. made coming in. <laughs> like they kicked down the door. This is their place. They can do what they so, want. That's, a, that's the truth. <laughs> um, but this question, shout out to Brandy, because she's going to get to hear this question asked twice today. And the question is, can you get pointers for a mom who's a two and a daughter who's an eight in relationship building? So we are sending we're gonna that. We're going to let the eight give the pointer first. And then later when you're not here, I'm going to ask, uh, ask mom. What oh, she's Brandy, doing. you're in for good stuff. I don't know how old the eight daughter is, but it's uh, a groundbreaking moment for mom and I as an eight and a two. And, and I'm going to go ahead and predict that she will tell the same story. Um, was when I said to her, she, I said to her, um, if I'm upset with you, I will tell you, I'll let you know. And if I'm not, you, stop thinking I am. Um, twos, you're already dependent. So your reference point is already on the eight daughter. And um, in a whole new way I'm seeing right now, how the truest makeup of who I am is that I don't need connection like so many people around me need. I don't need, I, it's, it's not, um, something that feeds me. In fact, if a lot of feeling is involved, it's something that drains me. Um, you need to know as a two, you and your eight daughters see the world completely differently because you take on what everybody else is feeling and your eight daughter doesn't even see it or consider it. And that being said, you have a lot to give each other because she's learning the importance of being vulnerable from you the the big heavy asterisk is she does not what whatever capacity you have to be vulnerable she has one millionth 
of that. I like it. Will you also just real fast touch on now let's go back and look at you. Let's say that uh 10 year old Joey is here mm-hmm. answering this question. What would you say? Cause you talked about the conversation sure. that you and you and mom had when you were older. I don't need you. And that, that needs to not hurt your feelings. I don't need you like you need me to need you. That's the thing. I absolutely need a mother and I need authority and I want that. I don't need, not only do I not need the emotional connection that you crave, I don't have it in me to authentically give as much as you want it. Because that's hard for a two to hear. The other piece is, I trust you implicitly and I don't trust anybody. So you, you've got her trust when she doesn't trust anyone. That's like, hold on to that. Cause that's a big, big deal. Cool. Billy, any little, again, they're not going anywhere, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to do this. Um, you know, if anything that I've said has helped even one person, that's just kind of a bonus right now. Cause, um, I've been really quiet lately and retreating in all of the ways that I need to, I guess, get back to good. And so when I can talk about the Enneagram or, and talk about my experience with it, then it gets me back to a better spot. So I appreciate the forum to be able to do that. So if you're at all struggling with any of your own stuff, which I imagine pretty much everyone is, take solace in the fact that, you know, you're not alone and there's a community of folks out there that you can mutually benefit from because we all need each other while we're apart, I guess. So, and you and I had a tough week at what got us back to good after last week was being able to talk it like through the lens of the Enneagram to say, this is, this is how I see that it happened. And this is how you see. And just it's, you never arrive, but it's, it's such a helpful tool. Awesome. All right, well, we are going to go ahead and add another uh, chair in here and kind of reposition things. And while we're doing that, y'all please enjoy a message and song from Andy and Jill. See you in a minute. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Joe and Joel and everyone there at the live stream. Um, I'm Jill Phillips, and this is Andy Bellahorn. Hello. And uh, we're so happy to be with you guys tonight. Um Suzanne, you know we love you, and you are our friend. You are my teacher. Um, you're such a dear person to me. And Joe, of course, um, just love you, love your family, um, love what you mean to us and our family. So just grateful to be with you guys tonight in this live stream as we're kind of doing community in this uh, interesting way together during this weird time. I thought I would uh, play a song that's kind of about that community, about what it takes to to make a difference and, and uh, little things we can do as communities. Uh, it was inspired by uh, my friends in Houston, the way they came together after Harvey. Uh, so I think about this song a lot uh, as I walk the streets of our neighborhood and, and think about how we can um, love each other well by taking care of our our place. I see torches marching, afraid of losing ground to the right side of history. Statues coming down. I see anger driving straight into the crowd. Though it all feels too far gone to change Where there is a will, there is a way It's gonna take a feeling It's gonna take some time It's gonna take the blood, the sweat, the tears We're gonna cry We'll face the night together Till the morning comes around It's gonna take a village 